0: Hello, security people. Welcome to Breaking Into Cybersecurity. Uh, Renee's not with us this week, so it's just me and Eric going through his journey. Um, So let's just jump right in. Eric, tell us a little bit about yourself. You're muted. Nope, still don't hear you. Hmm. Okay. Let's wait for Eric to disconnect and reconnect.
1: Can you hear me now? Now I can hear you. Perfect. All righty. Cool. <laughs> Technical difficulties, even though it worked thirty seconds before we popped on. So anyway, sorry about that, guys. So yeah, my name is Eric Sakurkin. I'm um. Uh, security team lead in a, in Silicon Valley. Um, a little bit about myself. I've been in this space probably about four years officially in the private sector, and uh, I started uh, prior to that working in the military and the Air Force. Uh, but we can jump, jump into that a little bit more uh, as we go along. Thanks, Chris, and I look forward to chatting with everybody today.
0: Perfect. So well, let's start about what you did in the military and um, how that built the foundation for your
1: career today. Absolutely, no. It's a great, uh, great space to start in. So uh, I joined the military partway through college, and I uh, worked as an intelligence analyst in a few different arenas. But that kind of got me into the world a little bit to um, understanding that there's more out there than just, um, you know, the uh, what you see on movies in terms of you know the human intelligence element. There's a lot of technical analysis that gets done as well, and that kind of introduced me into the cybersecurity space a little bit. And so as a result of that, I, I pivoted my education from doing uh, economics uh, towards you know, computer science and cybersecurity because I, I was trying to skate to where the puck is going. And mm-hmm. it seemed like that was where everything was going. And that seemed to be a great place to, whether I would stayed in the, the military or chose to get out, which I ended up choosing to uh, you know, end my time with the military and, and focus on the private sector. That was kind of the direction that I wanted to head. And I was lucky enough to be able to have that opportunity to do so.
0: Are you still in the threat intel space or did you pivot
1: to another... Um, area within cybersecurity. Um, I've pivoted a little bit all over the place. Um, I, once I left the military, I became a security consultant for one of the big four consulting firms because they're always looking for you know folks who are willing to work hard and folks who come out of the military are often check that box. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so that gave me uh, just you know in, in two years, just even just two years of doing that, I got such a broad um, awareness of all the different areas of security, from you know identity to threat and vulnerability management to you know, privileged access, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Up to and including incident response. Um, and so now, today, I've I've been able to take that broad knowledge, and I I would still kind of call myself a little bit of a generalist. I have some specialties in um, threat intel and some specialties in identity, but. Uh, As a team lead now, I don't get the luxury to spend hours diving into one thing. I kind of have to be (laughs) ready for what the whole team has to offer. And so that means compliance on day one and, you know, an incident in the afternoon. So (laughs) Um, that's kind of a, a little bit of the background there.
0: Okay, okay. Well, let's talk about your transition, because it's often a a big question that um, individuals in the military, they're looking to see how they can transition to their civilian careers. Let's talk about your transition process, what you did, and how you lined yourself up with one of the big force. because obviously those are um, some of the highly valued organizations to work at, and what did you do to rise above the rest?
1: Um, first and foremost, I will say I was exceptionally lucky, blessed, or, you know, uh, didn't see a black cat that day. I'm still not sure how I got a call back. (laughs) So I I will say that, but there was, there were many things that I did to get up to that point, um, to try and set myself up for success. And, um, starting with the, the first day I joined the military and you don't have to start on day one, but I highly recommend as early as you know, Hey, whether I may stay in for 20 or 30 years, or maybe I'll only get out after four or five always plan for your exit day. And that was something that I took in from day one to always plan whether, again, long-term, short-term, whether I'd go to the private sector or stay in the federal government in some way or capacity, always planning for that. And so the big thing that I uh, always recommend to folks who are either transitioning currently or will one day, because we will all, anyone who is in the military will one day not no longer be in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, so preparing for that, getting education. The mil- most of the branches provide opportunities for tuition assistance. And um, at the very least, at the, very, you know, at the end, you get the GI Bill, um, where you can go to school for basically for free. So um, highly recommend leveraging those resources that you've earned as a service member. And uh, yeah, if people have more specific questions, I'm more than happy to, to talk more about that. But that would be my uh, short version is plan for the day you exit mm-hmm. as soon as you possibly can.
0: So you brought up the topic of education. Um, what did you do educationally to prepare yourself either for your exit or your future career in cybersecurity?
1: Great question. So I worked on a bachelor's in computer science. Um, the little, you know, the, at least a few years back, there wasn't like a ton of cybersecurity degrees per se, but there was at mm-hmm. least a few like networks forensics courses, and you could kind of get a little like minor or focus area. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I tried to take any courses that I possibly could as a part of that computer program to um towards the security space so network security program uh, class courses etc I think those were key later on in my career I'd started doing some certifications as well like um, you know through isc squared or anything like that but uh, I think the first step is getting um either an associates or a bachelor's if, you, if, if it's feasible for you and if you already have experience maybe you've got you know you've been working in the space for you know, five or 10 years and maybe you kind of have the work experience to count, you know, to, to compensate, but I didn't. So I, mm-hmm. I needed that, I think is a sort of an entry gate, at least for big four. I'm not sure they would have talked to me if I didn't have that. So,
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so since you took education, you took certifications. Um, is there specific recommendations that you have to leverage your military experience for in the, in the private sector so that you can show that you're differentiating yourself from typical candidates
1: absolutely so i think you know from many different backgrounds whether it's military or not but i think especially in the military we get the opportunity even from a very young age to be leaders Mm -hmm. and having that leadership and ownership mindset is a huge force multiplier that would be the military phrase but a differentiator in the private sector we would call it right the uh, the ability to you know compared to a kid fresh out of college right and i don't mean kid in a derogatory way but just you know mm-hmm. fresh you know fresh they're fresh out of college they may have not had a you know a full-time job yet to that point may not have had to go under uh, highly stressful situations the ability to think clearly under stress and solve complex problems while uh, you know under fire so to speak i think is a huge differentiator in the cybersecurity space because guess what we're all stressed our jobs are pretty yeah. stressful we don't want the company to get hacked or if it is we want to solve it quickly um, so I think that would be a key differentiator, um, in terms of leadership and ability to have those soft skills that are not always a given with, uh, someone who's maybe fresh out of college or, or grad school.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, so what was your first, first jump into, into the industry?
1: Uh, the first jump into the industry was, you know, I, I, so I joined the big four, um, and then I got dropped off, a, you know, a week later after some, you know, welcome to the company kind of stuff. Again, they, they do a great onboarding process. Nothing against that, but you know, essentially after the quick ramp up, I got dropped off at a, you know, a big multinational company that needed help reworking Active Directory to, you know, protect things like pa- against pass the hash because that was a big deal back then. Uh, less so now, but it was a, a huge vulnerability back in the day. Nobody wanted their domain admins to get popped. So <laughs> uh, that was the first project, and basically what it taught me was you have to learn rapidly and Mm -hmm. that's a skill set and that's a mindset that i've taken in my security career since then if you can learn rapidly whether formally or informally that's going to be a huge asset to you
0: what are some of the areas that you go to to um,
1: ramp up quickly in a new subject um, Google, <laughs> uh, but no more specifically, cyber has some great resources, you know, okay. uh, I would promise I'm not sponsored by them, but I've used them for certifications and some other things that it's just a great resource. That's totally available for us. Um, likewise, there's Slack communities or other chat discord channels and stuff that, or discord servers that people will use who are in the security space to connect and try and, um, bounce ideas off of each other. I think communities key in this space, um, that and finding a mentor and, following kind of what they do, right? So if you find the right mentor, I've found that it's been very helpful to just say, Hey, so what are you reading? What, uh, what resources do you like? Um, Mm -hmm. And that's been key that, and there's some great podcasts, right? Um, I don't know if you guys listen to, obviously we're on one. This is a great (laughs) podcast and there's, you know, several others in the security space. I won't mention names, but just type in cybersecurity and there's a handful of really quality content to just keep your mind fresh with what's going on and hear from even thought leaders and CISOs, right? The, how are they seeing things? How are they thinking?
0: Well, I have a great list of uh, podcasts on my LinkedIn profile. So if you're interested in finding out more, um, there's at least 40 to 50 different um, podcasts within the area that you could take a look at. Um, but you mentioned a couple of things that I wanted to dive in on. So the first one was the use of social media and or networking. Um, talk to me about how you go about networking and whether that changed while you were in the were in the military versus when you came out and what do you do to utilize that to
1: maximize or continue your development in your career? Great question. Um, I'll start with this. In the military, I didn't network very, I networked well inside the military, but I had never even heard of Slack and stuff because we don't always necessarily use that. The, some of these technologies that are popular in the you know the private sector space, but uh, once jumping into the private sector, uh NIDA, Meetups are great. There's, mm-hmm. you know, uh, IR meetups, there's cloud security meetups, again, depends on your region and your uh, where you are. But there's in, in most major metro areas, there's at least a few meetups a month, uh, going to things like B sides, if there's one in your region or area. Um, I know the DC area has a, has a bunch of specific um, cons as well. So it just depends on kind of where you are in the country. But first, I I'd definitely recommend the meetups, because that's where you're going to find the people and the communities to get on those discord servers or to get on those slack channels. Um, where you've got the ability to bounce ideas off of people and, and really just leverage the crowd, right? Crowdsourcing is popular these days and it's essentially uh, a way to crowdsource um, information and, and you can provide content and they can provide content and it kind of, we're all fighting the same fight, so to speak, even mm-hmm. if we're working at different companies or even competitors, right? I don't want to see my competitor get hacked. And likewise, I hope they don't want me to get hacked, right? So we, we can work together even as, you know, business competitors to, uh, but raise the level of security across our industries.
0: Do you, have you gone to any conferences um, either before or since?
1: I have actually. My favorites are just going to the b sides. I love that they're okay. local, they're small. You know, they're you don't have to pay fifteen hundred or eighteen hundred bucks <laughs> or whatever to, to sit and listen to vendors talk at you. Um, you know, you go to b sides. It's I don't know the one in San Francisco is like fifty bucks, and they feed you. You can't beat that. And you can volunteer there if you want. There's, you know, capture the flag events. There's great talks from a, a whole array of people, and sure, there's some vendors and all that good stuff too. But it's it's a much smaller, tight knit community that uh, I think is really great, and it gives you the opportunity to really meet people. Not not the maybe like the big RSA to contrast, where it's there's a lot of people there. <laughs>
0: um and. In- one of the other topics you brought up earlier was mentorship. Uh, talk to me about how you you utilize mentorship either in your transition or since your transition to help your career. Great question.
1: Um, so mentorship has been huge for me. What I'll say is it's finding a mentor is the big first step, and I think that has to happen kind of organically. There are some folks, and, and I've had luck in uh, just – you know, first proving myself, you know, proving that I'm willing to work hard and, and willing to learn and willing to be coachable, and then asking, hey, would you be willing to mentor me? I know that's like a big, scary question, but at least you know up front, and if the answer is no you're, no, you're no worse off than you were five minutes beforehand, right? So again, I think proving yourself with hard work and being coachable is first, because that opens the door for the mentor to see, hey, there's potential in this person. So then when you kind of pop the question, so to speak, you've... Uh, you're you know you're asking and hopefully it's not a surprise to them <laughs> yeah. and likewise the uh, maybe they'd be more willing since you've shown that you're available coachable um to provide that kind of coaching and feedback on a longer term basis and honestly the that's been a huge success factor for me the only reason i've kind of grown as quickly as i can uh, as i have post-military from you know um mm-hmm. low-level analyst guy at, at a big four to leading a team now of security professionals uh it's been because I've had great mentors along the way who've helped guide and shape what that journey can look like.
0: Has it been the same mentor or set of mentors? Or as you progress in your career, you've evolved to different mentors for different use cases or different situations within your life?
1: It's some both. So what I'll say is there's what i'll call seasonal mentors and then there's long-term mentors so a seasonal mentor might be hey i'm working on a specific project i need some mentorship from someone who has got a specific skill set that maybe i don't have or maybe my team doesn't have and you may have a mentor mentee relationship for several months Mm -hmm. Uh, but then there's longer term ones and so i've definitely had some of those short-term ones where it was a a niche need for a period of time they needed something i needed something it worked out Uh, but definitely the, the i've had the longer term one and one in particular who's helped Kind of guide and shape my career in such a way that you know I've said, "Hey, this is where I want to go," and then he's helped me uh, organize what do those steps look like to get there because he's already been there and I haven't yet, right? So that's kind of the key part is uh, you don't have to ride drive with blinders on.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, Actually, I have a question that that pop back up in my mind from your transition period that I I wanted Mm -hmm. to dive back into. You mentioned that you were lucky in getting that callback. But um, talk to us about, like, what ramped up to that callback? How many companies did you apply at? Um, What was your luck there?
1: Um, Give us the dirty details. Um, So I, because I got to choose when I, you know, when I got out of the military, I knew when my contract was coming to an end, I started, I think, six months out, um, submitting resumes. And this was, this was, you know, after the recovery from like the 2008 2009 crash, and we were on the upswing again, but it wasn't quite today where, you know, quote, full employment, as at least that's what the Fed calls it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I, I mean, I literally was applying to everything i even gave up and at some point was uh, applying to help desk positions or literally anything in the tech in the it org i didn't care if it was security because you know once i got out of the military that was that was it right no more money so it was either that or work at uh you know work at a starbucks or something so mm-hmm. um and then finally i just did one more mass blast of probably 80 or 100 um you know applications one weekend and yeah, I did the whole word map thing to make sure that as many words as possible would match between the you know, job posting and my resume and all that good stuff. But finally I got a call back and it was honestly, it was the only call I ever got back. So one out wow. of yeah several hundred. So persistence pays off and I will definitely say that uh, being the hardest worker is probably worth more than maybe being the smartest one as long as you still apply some logic. <laughs>
0: Definitely, definitely. So yeah, um, perfection is the enemy of progress.
1: Bingo. Oh man, I say that all the time to my team and I think we're all used to it at this point.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I I guess that also highlights that if you take the the shotgun approach that uh, it's not entirely useful that if maybe you had a more tailored search tactic like you figure out what you really want to do and you kind of do a more sniper approach to it. M- maybe you might have
1: been a little more effective. It could very well have been. I, I started with the sniper and then I, uh, I I don't know if you guys have ever used like burp suite, but there, you know, it's the, there's different attack levels you can do and mm-hmm. it's like sniper. And then like, I think the bottom's like battering ram. <laughs> and I think by the end, <laughs> it was just like, I don't even care. I'm sending it. <laughs> uh, so for those who are in that process right now, just uh, I would challenge you. Don't get discouraged. Keep going for it. You know, uh, any experience is is a great start, and I think some of the most um, pa- the most influential leaders that I've met in this space have very unique backgrounds. Uh, they're not maybe they didn't come from a you know they went to their four year education and they got a degree in cybersecurity, and then they had an internship. Right, the the traditional path isn't what I'll call normal in in this space, at least from what I've seen out here in Silicon Valley.
0: Mm-hmm. So. You went to a big four consulting. You did
1: your time there. Um, wh- where do you go to next? Um, I, where I went next is where I work now. I work okay. at a, a venture capital funded fintech company in Silicon Valley, um, and it's a blast. <laughs> so talk to about
0: uh, talk to us about your transition there. Was that a targeted approach? Was that a shotgun approach? Uh, that was a, you know,
1: back to mentors. When you have good mentors, mm-hmm. they typically will call you if something comes up or you know that they're moving and there's always the opportunity if someone's building a security program, you know, if they're ahead of you, chances are they're building the security program. And if that's something that you're interested in, which I was, I, I wanted to learn how to build a security program, you know, more or less from the ground up. And so, uh, you know, I reached out and said, hey, are there any opportunities?
0: Uh, that. That you saying that just just had goosebumps all over me, um, because it's one of those things that I reiterate, um, like finding your mentor, uh, keeping in touch, because a lot of people will yes. uh, randomly connect to someone on LinkedIn, say hi, but don't have that connection. So it's like a loose connection. Whereas if um, someone could, if you kept in touch, even intermittently, you're still in their life, um, maybe comment on their post or ask them questions touch base every once in a while that then it keeps that that connection live and then they could they can remember you for for that um when they when they do have that kind of opportunity
1: absolutely yeah Uh, i would foot stomp that and reiterate it till the cows come home that was fantastic and that's totally what has worked for me and and even uh, if it's not, and, and for folks maybe you've worked with at some point in the past, especially in the consulting industry, I, I got to work with a lot of different companies, a lot of different people, just having like a little alarm on your calendar that goes off on maybe a bi-monthly or quarterly basis to just reach out to a few folks and say, hey, how hope things are well. How's everything? You know, just those kind of touch points. For me, it's more about relationship and less about the quote networking kind of buzz phrase there. but. Um, maintaining those relationships is going to be key because I think it works both ways. Because sometimes they're looking for something too, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And when it comes to keeping things live, what do you do to
1: continue your education to stay on top of everything It's ever evolving? It is ever evolving, and I think it um, it continues to evolve, especially as you you know you, you mature in your career from maybe as an individual contributor up to you know uh, leading other people as well. the, the education doesn't just doesn't just um or isn't just the technical but also how do i help lead people how do i help uh, coach them and develop them so that they're more successful than i am right that's i think that's the key and so uh, a few pieces there i'll 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 hit hit again on the mentorship that is a key way that you can learn especially in the soft skills in the managerial space that's huge and in technical skills as well you can learn from people on your team who've been doing it longer Um, but more formally Um, I think there's some great organizations out there, whether it's IC2, whether it's SANS, um, if you've got the opportunity to take any of those courses or certifications or go back for a master's or, you know, whatever, whatever your kind of your track or your path is, those are all things that I've either done or I'm in the process of doing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, do, do you have a
0: recommendation, say for those that are looking to decide between education, um, certification, on-the-job training, um, what what should we do?
1: It's a great question. Um, and and I'll, I'll caveat with, it depends. Uh, a mentor of mine says that, um, you know, prescription without diagnosis is malpractice. And so without knowing the, the the details of this person's specific situation, I will say that, you know, generally speaking, let's say you have your four-year degree Um, and you're looking to kind of take it to the next level, I think a great next step from there is certifications, whether that's taking a SANS course and getting one of those certifications or doing CEH, uh, Certified Ethical Hacker, if that's the the phase you want to go into, or CISSP, as I think you are, Chris. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of great opportunities in certification there. I would say I would do certification probably before I would go back for a master's. If that's where you're at, but, um, if maybe you don't even, if you, maybe if you don't yet have a bachelor's degree, maybe that would be a good first step. So kind okay. of say it's a sliding scale.
0: <laughs> and, and then when it comes to your, yourself, are you, did you get your master's already or where are you and what do you want to do
1: next? Yeah. So that's what, uh, that's actually my next journey is I'm looking to start that process because uh, I think that's probably the next step for me. Again, you know, four year education it was great. some certifications you know from IC 2 and i think those have been valuable um but i think the next step for me is uh is a master's degree and that's what i'm in the process of looking into right now
0: okay okay um i'm trying to think how you're running a team right now um for those that are looking to get into the leadership space while it's not as technical, um, what recommendations do you have for uh, individuals that might be more on the
1: people side than the technology side? I think I would say, make sure you have at least a foundation in the technical. Um, I I mean, most people would call me probably fairly technical, but compared to my team, I definitely have team members who are more technical than me. Um, And that's okay. But I need to at least be able to understand and speak their language. Uh-huh. um and so i think for folks who maybe are less on the technical side there's still the opportunity to learn and get a foundation even if it's not you know you're not going to be the one writing these you know ec- extraordinary sql queries or you know whatever it is or you know the one actually hacking the web app right that, and that's okay but to be able to understand what the terminologies are like what is a cross-site scripting what is how does html work right or how does um TLS where right? Some of these, uh, underlying technological foundations are helpful. And then to your first question, kind of pivoting, how, how do you make the pivot into more of a leadership space? And for me, that's been, and I think you may get tired of me saying this, but mentorship helps because <laughs> yeah. they're a step ahead. Hey, how did you do that? How can I help? How can I move that in that direction? And just having those sort of conversations has been key. So having those managers or supervisors to be able to have those conversations with, uh, is, uh, it's been critical for me at least.
0: So your mentors have been helping you with how to have those tough conversations with your stakeholders and your leadership and how to help them develop their career and have those types of conversations.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's, it's uh, it's almost like a full circle kind of thing, right? So <laughs> the, the mentor says it to you as a coaching moment. And then three weeks later you find yourself telling that to your team member as a coaching moment. And you're like, Oh man, I feel like I've heard this before. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, So we're approaching the the bottom of the hour, and I truly appreciate the time that you've um, provided with us thus far. I'd like to ask one final question, and that's if you had one piece of sage advice that you would give to someone, whether in the military or not, following in your footsteps, what would that be?
1: I would say work smarter and harder. Well, how do you do that? And that's the tougher question. That that's, depends. Um, when I say smarter, as in, you know, if something can be automated, try and figure okay. out how to automate it, right? Work smarter. Working harder isn't just doing the thing that could be automated in a manual fashion. I mean, work harder as in you know, show that you were willing to put in the time and effort. That gets noticed much, much more than being the smartest person on the team. If you're willing to dive in and try something, even if you have no idea what's going on. That willingness to just you know, plow through and try and figure it out and learn from it and fail and fail fast and then recover, that is a huge asset. And so that, that's what I kind of mean by work smarter and harder.
0: <laughs> so would you, you could also summarize that as uh, having eternal curiosity because, A, you, you're curious Amen. how you can automate it. And then you're curious on what you could do to solve it. So you're going to just keep hammering at it until you do.
1: Yeah, I, I, that's, I should uh, readjust my sage advice to uh, eternal <laughs> curiosity or perpetual curiosity.
0: <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. Uh, Eric, thank you so much for your time today. I truly appreciate it. And um, feel free to, to share this along. And if you have others in your network that you feel have a great story that you're willing to share, um, feel free to recommend us. We, we love having stories. And really, this is for everyone out there listening that coming up behind us that want a piece of advice from every different guest that we may have and they can take tips from here and there to make it their journey and not just our journey
1: absolutely thanks so much chris for doing this and uh yeah have a great rest of your day take care everyone